Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Robin January. Robin lives in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where she works part-time in a university lab in the food science department. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Jen. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you. You know, I'm interested in all things food, so I can't wait to hear you talk about um, some of what you what you know about food from your work in the lab, as well as talk about intermittent fasting. But you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? So I started intermittent fasting in late July, early August of 2018. And it was after a serious medical diagnosis that required me to stop all activity 
in April of that year, I injured myself during a routine workout. At the time, I was exercising seven days a week. And I thought I had the worst pulled muscle of my life in my neck. Um, a month later, I was diagnosed with a torn artery in my neck. I had suffered several small strokes and I had developed a brain aneurysm. So the first line of defense was to essentially go on a form of bed rest. So my doctor told me, I need you to become a couch potato, but I don't want you to gain weight because weight gain would lead to additional pressure on an artery that was already injured and I needed that artery to live. So it was a very serious situation. And initially I lost weight just because of the stress and anxiety of walking around with a ticking time bomb in your head. But by July of that year, I could tell that I was starting to regain. And that is when I began intermittent fasting. So how did you first find out about intermittent fasting? It's funny. I found out about it through my mom by a complete twist of fate. She moved in with us the day before I was diagnosed with the brain aneurysm. And so fortunately, she became mom. She did all the things that I couldn't do. And one of the things she does is she has the television on 24-7 just for background noise. And so she forced me to sit down and listen to some segment on an afternoon talk show. And it was literally two minutes. And this woman talked about intermittent fasting and she ate in an eight-hour window and lost all this weight, changed her life and lived happily ever after. Done. And so the segment ends, I stand up, I leave the room and mom was, my mom was like, wait, 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 what do you think of this? And I said, mom, it is a very fancy term for starvation and I am sure it works fabulously well. And that was it. <laughs> but so I just like totally, you know, <laughs> wrecked her. She was all excited about it. And I just, you know, put the kibosh on that. But what did I do in July when I needed something to control my weight. I didn't care about losing weight. I just wanted to control it at that time. What did I do? I Googled intermittent fasting. I did five seconds of research <laughs> and I started and I did it completely wrong the first five months. That's so funny. What I love is these seeds are planted. You know, it's kind of like when someone will, will come into our support groups and say, you know, I mentioned intermittent fasting to a friend and they ridiculed it and they they were, you know, terrible naysayer about it. They said just like you did, fancy word for starvation. And you know, then you the, these people feel so terrible because, you know, their friend has just poo-pooed their idea and made them feel bad about it and ridiculed them. But you planted a seed, just like that little two minutes that you saw planted the seed, even though you were like, uh-uh, no, that's everything against what I've ever been taught. It stayed in your brain. And when you were ready, you're like, hmm, you know what? I'm going to look at that one more time and see. So everybody, you know, learn from this and don't be upset when someone at first is a naysayer. They may just really come around. So when you say you did it wrong for five months, explain that. I have a bit of a background in nutrition. I'm no expert or anything like that. But 
I knew that fasting was not eating and not consuming calories. But I'd also heard about the bulletproof coffee and heavy whipping cream, not kicking you out of ketosis. So day one, I tried black coffee and no, mm -mm, not going to (laughs) work. Day two, I put in heavy whipping cream and cacao butter. And still, I like really sweet coffee. So no, that's not going to work either. So finally, by day three, I just dumped in as much honey as I wanted. So I fasted 12 hours, basically, from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. for the first five months. And I maintained my weight. And I should go back and say I was not a normal body weight by any means. From 2013 to 2018, I weighed 185 pounds. I'm five foot seven. And I exercised, you know, five to seven days a week. And I thought that was what controlled my 50 pound above normal body weight. I ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. After the diagnosis, I lost 15 pounds from the stress of it. So I was now maintaining a body weight of like 170 to 175 pounds. So I did that through December 2018. I'm not aware. I only knew what my weight was when I went to medical appointments. In December, I learned about Delay Don't Deny, the Facebook group, and I joined it and immediately learned about the clean fast. So late December, I started clean fasting and I started with 16-8 and then just moved on from there. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired 
on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. How did the clean fast feel different to you from what you had been doing with the coffee with the honey? So I still made my coffee with honey and cream every morning. And then I would stare at it longingly (laughs) until 11 a.m. And I'd heat it up. And then that's how I would open my window. But what it did was it allowed me to shrink my eating window. And it normally people can put off when they open their window what I started doing was ending earlier. It like my body started telling me almost immediately, you don't need to eat until 7 p.m. at night. Let's eat until six. And then I would stop at six. And then my body, I could tell I wasn't sleeping well. I just felt too full. And so I started backing my window down. So I would have like an 11 a.m. to 3 or 4 p.m. window. And then the fasting time was 18 hours plus clean, you know, just water. And um, I could never embrace the black coffee until I started ADF. But it really allowed me to shrink my eating window. Okay. So you made a transition to ADF at some point along the way then, and that allowed you to embrace the black coffee. What led you to ADF? By the way, that's alternate daily fasting for anybody who's not sure of the lingo. Yes. So I learned about ADF through your advanced group. And at first I thought, absolutely not, never going to do it. But after six months of clean fasting and my weight still did not change at all, my body did not change at all. I decided, you know, if I'm already fasting 18 to 20 hours a day, let's just try ADF. So I started ADF in June of 2019 to see if I could actually lose weight. And I had a rocky start. I made a big mistake. I eat a very high carbohydrate diet. And when I started ADF, I thought I should do the 500 calorie meal that was low carb to kind of get the biggest bang for my buck. And what it did was it made me feel sick. Like I actually felt nauseous and just terrible. And I thought it was the ADF. It never occurred to me that it was this low carb, like my body was in shock. Where are my carbs that I'm used to? So it was a rocky start. But when I switched to just a total clean fast, no 500 calories, no low carb, just water and black coffee, it became so much easier. So I did ADF. I started 5-2. I switched to 4-3. And I did that from June, like late June of 2019 until December of 2019. And I lost 25 pounds. And it was so easy. I love your story because so many people fall into that same trap that you just explained. You know, you you changed your fasting method 
but also introduced that other variable. You changed what you were eating, and then it's hard to disconnect. You're like, oh, my body doesn't like the ADF, when really it was the foods not working well for your body, and you didn't realize that that was actually what it was, you know, because especially back in 2019, there was a lot more chatter about, um, you know, coming out of the low-carb community, there were even people who said, well, if you're not doing low-carb, you're wasting your time. And, you know, we know that's not true, especially for those of us whose bodies feel better with lots of carbs. And, you know, the people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum from us can't believe us that we're, it's true, though. We promise you, we do feel better when we include sufficient carbs. But, recognizing it wasn't that you didn't do well with the ADF approach. It was the foods not working well for your body. That is so important. Yes. And one key to switching me to that, you know, all just a full fast. I was listening to your other podcast with Melanie and she mentioned an episode on Peter Atia's podcast and it was his interview with Dr. Fung. And I listened to that interview and when he talked about like, 40 hours was really no big deal. Like your body can handle it. Yeah, you're going to get a little hungry. Just drink some water. And hey, if you are like absolutely hungry and your body needs food, then you eat. It's as simple as that. And then you try to get another time. And that really gave me the confidence to just go for it and try those clean fasts. And from the first one, it was just very simple. So that's what, that's why I knew it was right for me because it was easy. That's really brilliant advice because you are like, okay, I am going to try to do 40 hours, but if I need to eat, it's no big deal. That's really, really great advice because you're not failing. And so many of us, you know, we make a goal. We're like, I'm going to go for 40 hours. And if I can't make it, I'm a failure, but no big deal. If I can make it to 40, I'll have a wave of hunger. That's no big deal. If I really need to eat, that's also no big deal. Yes. And I've kind of lived by that rule. To this day, if I'm in the middle of a fast and my body says, oh, girl, we got to (laughs) eat, then I eat. And I don't stress about it. The next day is a new day. And we, we just pick up where we left off. And, you know, it's absolutely a lifestyle for me now. And that's, it's the first time, because I have tried a lot of diets, is the first time that this has felt like something sustainable and easy, and I can fit into my life. I love it. And that is so key. It's got to feel like a lifestyle. And we've got to lose that perception that we have to do it a certain way every single day, or we're failing, or we're wrong, and we're learning to listen to our bodies. You know, what a great concept. Yes, that's what it's taught me the most is listening to my body. And, you know, you hear people say that all the time, but your body actually does tell you when it needs things and when it doesn't. So that's been a real gift of this lifestyle. Yeah, it really does. So you're someone like me, feels great with lots of carbs. So what are your favorite foods? You know, how would you describe your style of eating? Um, I wish I ate a lot healthier, but I don't. Maybe teenage boy would describe my style of eating. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I eat some processed foods. Um, I used to close every night. People drink wine. I don't drink alcohol, but I would close every night with a pint of Ben and Jerry's. 
if you're going to have ice cream, you might as well have good ice cream. <laughs> uh, I don't do that anymore. Amen. <laughs> so that's changed, but I still eat all the things. I still work out seven days a week and I love my protein shake with fresh greens and flax and, you know, whole milk. But I also have, you know, cereal out of the box sometimes. And I do not eat the cleanest, most healthy diet, but <laughs> maybe one of these days. That's okay. You know, we're not going to judge the way anybody eats. I had ice cream last night and it was delicious. <laughs> and, you know, I like to think about it as um, we're all on a path feeling, you know, what feels right to us at the time, you know. And, I'm working on a new book, and so I've been writing about my own, you know, journey over the years. And it's really interesting how what I eat has changed just naturally. But, you know, if it hadn't, would that be bad? No, I don't think it would have been. It's just our own personal journeys. And as long as we feel great and we're happy in our bodies and happy living the life, that is all that matters. Yes. And I kind of made a deal with myself in 2013 that I was not going to make any dietary changes that I couldn't maintain forever. So because I had done so many diets and succeeded only to regain the weight when I stopped dieting, because I think all diets can work. The key is whether or not you can keep it up. I just kind of got to the point where I told myself, we're not doing this anymore. If we need to maintain 50 pounds overweight, so be it. We're going to do that, but we're, I'm just not going to fail another diet, another way of eating. So I don't eat like fast food or, or things like that, but I certainly don't eat a unprocessed, fresh, you know, whole food diet, but I can see myself, you know, in baby steps you know, making little changes along the way. Like I don't eat a pint of ice cream every night anymore. And part of that is because my window closes at noon right now. So <laughs> it, it can't happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to circle back to what you're doing right now, but I want to hit that highlight of what you just said that's so important that you don't want to make changes you can't keep up forever. And I think that is so important for all of us to keep in mind. You know, if we make changes that are not sustainable, you might get to a weight that you like to see, but it won't be sustainable if your changes aren't sustainable. So instead of chasing, you know, something down the line, focus on what you can do and what you can live with because quality of life is the goal. We want to enjoy our life and make the choices, the trade-offs that we can live with. If the way that you're eating is giving you enjoyment and you love it and, you know, going to a 100%, you know, plant-based, whole foods, whatever way of eating isn't going to be enjoyable, then you don't want to do it. You want to enjoy your life. And that's the goal for a lifestyle. It needs to be sustainable and feel like you can do it. Yes. This is the first time I'm in my 14th month of maintenance. And this is the first time that I have ever maintained a weight loss for this length of time. I don't think I've ever maintained a weight loss past three to five months in the past. So this has been so easy to maintain the weight loss. Love it. So you're not doing an ADF style anymore. Are you daily eating window at this point? And you, it sounds like you have a morning eating window. I do. So in August of 2020, 
we switched to virtual schooling and I teach my third grader and I knew if I had to do that, I was going to need some really good coffee in the morning. So, and I work out in the morning at 5 a.m. So it just naturally works. So I switched to a 6-1 ADF. I do six days, a four-hour eating window, and then I do one down day. And I rarely do a full fast on that down day anymore. What I like to do, and I got this idea from one of the Delay Don't Deny ADF groups, I have a really good coffee like midway through that 40-hour fast. So it might be at one o'clock in the afternoon, I have a big coffee with collagen protein and maple syrup and heavy whipping cream. And then I'm good to go until the next morning. And then on my up day, I might have a six hour eating window. All right. So your down day meal is structured around, it's a coffee, it's a liquid meal, but it works for you. You're having a down day, you're fasting clean, then you have the coffee down day meal, then you have another clean fast. And then the next day is your up day. And you have at least a six hour window on your up day. Yes. Yep. Six hour window refeed. And then the other days are four hour windows. And that coffee on my down day, for some reason, it doesn't make me hungry. But if I were to eat and have, you know, 500 calories, I wouldn't stop. It would just be like, bring on the food. It's time to eat. But the coffee, for whatever reason, works fine. That's good. And the key is that it, this feels like something you can do long term and it's enjoyable. And that's really what matters. So you're an early eating window person. And so I'm, I'm glad to have you here because a lot of people struggle with this question, you know, because in general, we find that people tend to have a later in the day eating window. So people might think that's what you're, you know, quote, supposed to do, or that should be your goal. But really, the goal is to you know, tweak it till it's easy. And if a morning eating window is what feels right to you, that is what you should do. Yes. And it is right for me for my lifestyle because of how I work out in the morning and because of what our life is like right now with having three kids at home schooling. But in the future, I may switch. I may switch to a 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. window. I just know that I will always close by late afternoon. I don't like to eat ever. I don't ever like to eat past five o'clock in the afternoon. That's just what works best for my body. So this is just what feels best for your body. Yeah, that's so important. And also recognizing that that may change over time. And the way that feels best for you right now may not be the way that feels best to you later. I have recently kind of adjusted my eating window a little earlier. And that's so interesting to me because I never really thought I would do it. But I found that I was, you know, opening my window with a snack like I always did. And, you know, having a snack around two or three or something, a four, depending if I'm busy. But then I would, I was like, you know, I really want to eat a lot right now. So I was eating a giant snack and then later cooking dinner to have with, with my husband later in the day. But then I wasn't as hungry. So I was only eating a little bit of my dinner. And then all of a sudden I had like a, a realization. I'm like, why am I, you know, struggling with what to eat for my snack and eating all this snack food or, you know, what I'm calling my snack. And then I can't enjoy my amazing dinner that I'm working, you know, making from scratch every night. So I asked my husband, I'm like, how would you feel if I started 
cooking dinner for me at like three o'clock or whatever and saving a plate for you. So when you get home, I'll sit with you while you eat. Maybe I'll have a snack with you if I'm still hungry. And he's like, I don't care. So I've been doing that and I'm having my main meal first. And it's like amazing. (laughs) It's working for us. And so I, I feel great. You have an 85-year-old woman inside of you. I love it. <laughs> Eating early. I do. I do. It's it's like on Seinfeld when Jerry's visiting his family in Florida and he's like, I'm not force feeding myself a steak at 430, you know, the early bird special. And now that's I'm like eating the early bird special at my own house. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm the same way. You know, whatever works. And I think part of what really made it work for me is that I'm not, you know, finishing my my eating window with the lingering glasses of wine anymore because I'm I'm rarely drinking any at all. But, you know, my window was naturally closing earlier just because of that. And so then it shifted earlier. And then it's surprising because I've, you know, done all, you know, through all this time, this many years in, I'm still making changes. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. I love that because you can, you adjust to your lifestyle and what your body is telling you. And I wonder if it affects your sleep. It made me remember that I have an aura ring and I've really been struggling with sleep, but there have been a couple of nights that I have eaten past 5 PM and my resting heart rate shoots up like 10 points. So my body is not used to eating late. My body likes it when I finish eating earlier in the day. My resting heart rate is right where it needs to be during the nighttime. But it's just very interesting to track some of these markers to see, you know. Biometrics. Yes. So it's been interesting. You know, I actually found that was one of the reasons that caused me to take a closer look at my wine and alcohol consumption. It was, you know, we have a bed I have a sleep number bed and it tracks your your heart rate while you're sleeping and how restful your sleep is, much like the aura ring and also your heart rate variability. And I found that after drinking, especially after having more than one glass, even dry farm wine, which I still love and sip on a tiny bit on occasion, but I was having terrible sleep after drinking and, and that really opened my eyes to, hey, this isn't working for my body. And even though you might wake up in the morning and not realize how you slept, those biometrics from the aura ring or from your bed or from whatever you've got make you realize, okay, this is really not working for me. Now, I see from looking at your – I can see you. I can see Robin. She can see me as we're recording. You've got a fancy piece of equipment back there. I'm I'm in my basement because – Your exercise equipment. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I'm in my basement because I have three kids upstairs, and I cannot believe no one has interrupted me. Yay. That's awesome. It could happen at any time. (laughs) I know. Right. They'll come down right now. Yeah. So I have – I've really switched the way I work out, and I'm – focusing a lot on strength training. So I have a fancy piece of equipment. It's called Tonal. And it's like a personal trainer on my wall. And it has electromagnetic resistance. And so I can do basically any exercise you could do in a gym for strength training. I can do right here in my basement. I'm also a Peloton aficionado. So I've been with Peloton since 2017. And I still do all of that, but I really am focusing on strength 
and my body composition has changed dramatically over the years. And especially in the last, I've had this for- I bet. Yeah. I've had this for nine months and I can actually see muscles for the first time. So it's IF plus this heavy strength training is like the perfect combination for me. So I imagine you're shrinking in size and even still now as you're in maintenance- with the, you know, the body recomposition that occurs after strength training, how has your size changed from, you know, the beginning when you first started to now? So I was about a size 14 prior to the injury in 2018. And when I reached maintenance, I was a size eight. And then over the last year in maintenance, even though my weight has stayed the same or possibly even gone up a little, I've shrunk down to a size six. So I'm around 150 pounds. I don't weigh, except now I'm going to a scale every six months. That in in body scale, I think is what it's called. And it does your body composition. Yes. I had a DEXA scan. I work at a university. And so I can take part in research studies. And I love to do the exercise science research studies. So I had a DEXA scan in 2016. You know, I've always worked out my whole life, whether I'm 200 pounds or 135 pounds, I've always worked out. And so I just assumed that I was fit and I had muscle. And so I had a DEXA scan in 2016 and I was 40% body fat. And when they, I don't know if you've ever had a DEXA scan, but when they give you the report, they give you an x-ray of your body. And so it was an outline of my body and he handed it to me and I was like, is this me? I looked like I had a shrunken head and just like the marshmallow man. <laughs> he was like, uh, yes, ma'am. Wow. That's you. <laughs> so I was horrified that my body fat percentage was 40%. And this was somebody, you were working out seven days a week. Yes. You were working out seven days a week and still 40% body fat prior to IF. I call it my superpower. I can work out seven days a week and not change anything about myself. (laughs) It doesn't cause weight loss or anything, but I do it because I love it and it's my stress relief. So it's totally worth it. It's part of my day. I, I haven't had another DEXA scan, but in December of 2020, I went to get weighed on the in body scale and my body fat percentage was a little over 23%. It's never been that low. Wow. Yes. Even in high school, when I worked out like a mad woman hours a day and heavy strength training, working with a personal trainer six days a week, 135 pounds, my body fat was 30%. So here I am, I'm going to be 45 this year. My body fat is 23%. It's just like unbelievable to me. And your lean mass has increased. Yes. You know, from before. So I think this is just a lesson for all those naysayers out there that are still out there saying you cannot build muscle unless you're eating before, during, and after a workout. You know, you're not going to be able to do it with intermittent fasting. I mean, you're showing them. I mean, you had been working out, probably following all the nutritional recommendations with the frequent eating and the protein and everything, and maintaining you know, 40% body fat and unable to build the lean muscle you were looking for. And now 
wow, what a difference. Now, don't give me credit for proper nutrition, <laughs> that 40% body fat. <laughs> I've never, never mastered that. That's well, intermittent fasting, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that really just speaks to the power of intermittent fasting because you were already a heavy exerciser. It's not like you just started exercising and you did not make amazing changes in what you were eating. So now you're eating, you know, 180 to what you were eating before. The difference is the fasting and it, you've lost body fat and built lean muscle as you're aging. I mean, that is just spectacular. Yes. I'm really curious to have another DEXA scan because it also gives bone density. And my bone density has always been low. So I'm really hoping that in addition to increasing my lean body mass and decreasing my body fat, that maybe my bone density has gone up too. So I'll have to keep my eye out for another research project. Awesome. Well, once you have that done, please post about it in the advanced group and tag me in the post because I will be so interested to see, you know, what your bone density does. Because, you know, we've got information, you know, Fung and his group, they're talking about seeing increased bone density in, you know, their patients and their clients that are fasting. And, you know, the increase in growth hormone helps explain that. But, you know, to see it with actual people like you, it makes it more concrete and real than just some abstract thing that's happening to some other people out there. Yes. Well, if my body fat can go down and my muscle can go up, I have confidence that that bone density is going to increase too. Well, I can't wait to hear it. So besides, you know, the weight loss success and your body recomposition, you know, you mentioned that originally you had some very serious health concerns that led to all of of this happening. So how's your health now? What's happening with all of that? So my health is great. I had I had neurosurgery at Mayo Clinic in the fall of 2018 and in the spring of 2019 I went back for my last surgery and they gave me the amazing news that the aneurysm was healed. They placed a stent in that artery that goes into my brain. And so I will have that stent for the rest of my life, but certainly worked to heal the aneurysm. And then some of the other, some changes that I notice because of fasting, I have twins and then a singleton. And my twins were born in 2006. And right after they were born, I developed psoriasis and gum disease. And I have battled that gum disease for 14 years now. And when I was, at the time that I had the brain aneurysm, I was going every two months to have a very deep cleaning of my teeth and gums. I've never had a cavity, but my gums are, you know, for whatever reason, they declined terribly after the birth of my twins. But I had to stop all those cleanings because of the brain aneurysm and the treatment surrounding that. So for a full year, I did not have a deep cleaning. I missed six deep cleanings. And I went back in a year later and they said, okay, we don't know what we're going to find, but you know, it may be worse. We're just going to go in and see. And both the hygienist and the periodontist were stunned that my gums maintained, like it was no worse than it had been the previous year. And we kind of chalked it up to possibly a benefit of intermittent fasting. 
I mean, one, I wasn't eating all day, every day. So I didn't have, you know, sugar in my mouth all the time. But I really think that autophagy was a benefit to the gum disease. And the second thing, the psoriasis, at one time, it covered my entire body from the scalp to my ankles. It was everywhere. And I have like two little patches left that are going away. And I really attribute intermittent fasting to that. I mean, it radically improved my psoriasis. So I've had some great health benefits. That's amazing. That really is great. So let's shift gears. Let's go back and talk about family life, especially since you have, you know, typically a morning eating window. I bet a lot of listeners are wondering, you know, how does that affect, you know, family dinner time? Or, you know, what do you say to your kids about it? I have all boys and I'm thankful for that because I do wonder if I had girls, would it be a little different? I am so fortunate that my mom never complained about her weight when I was a child. She modeled healthy behavior. She did aerobics, you know, back in the Jane Fonda days, she did aerobics at our country club because she loved it, not because she needed to lose weight. She was just a beautiful model of health and daily exercise for me. With my own boys, I think they're kind of clueless. They just don't care. You know, as long as they have food in front of them, They don't care if I'm putting food in my mouth or not. They literally don't even notice. They know I intermittent fast and they make fun of me like, oh, is it in your window, mom? But they really, they could care less. So it has not affected dinner times or whether or not they get food. And sometimes I'll say to them, I just wish you would intermittent fast (laughs) so that I don't have to cook for you (laughs) 24-7. But I get it. It has it. it oh, has it's it so true. I'm really grateful also to have had boys, which I talk about and delay don't deny, thank goodness, because Lord knows what I would have transmitted to a daughter with my crazy diet history. You know, actually, intermittent fasting is the sanest thing. And I finally have, you know, sanity. But all those diet years were nuts. But I get you on the eating all the time. My son, Cal, who is when this episode comes out, he'll be 23. But as of right now, he's still 22. But he and his wife were here over the holidays. And he no longer does intermittent fasting, even though he dabbled with it for a while in college and right after. They eat all the time. And when they were here, they're like making breakfast and having a mid-morning snack. And then they need it. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) It was so funny. So I I was like, I wish y'all would just do a little fasting. But nope. So you're saying I have at least eight more years of this with my boys. <laughs> I'll be cooking 24-7. Oh, yeah, you do. For the rest you do. of their and lives. It's true. And, you know, what? another thing we hear from moms is how do you cook food when you're fasting? Or how do you cook food for your kids? And can you en- encourage anyone asking that question, you know, that it's really not that hard? It's not. And it's so funny because last night I made tacos you know, I'm a gourmet, can't you tell? And I didn't have my taco seasoning packet that I normally use. So I'm just like throwing spices in. And part of me was like, I don't care what it tastes like, because I'm not eating it. And I'm not going to taste it. (laughs) So (laughs) here's dinner, boys. And you know, I guess it was fine, because nobody complained. I bake like I love to bake. I bake in the fasted state you know, I cook all the meals in the fasted state. It is not hard. I can remember 
when I was on the HCG diet that even when you're in maintenance, you could not have carbs. And I can remember packing my preschoolers lunch. My twins were in preschool at the time and like putting those just plain vanilla animal cookies into a Ziploc bag. And I looked at that bag and I was like, I just need these right now. And I mean, I just started shoveling them in my mouth, which was a huge no-no on that diet. But with intermittent fasting, if I'm baking something or cooking something and I think, oh, I'd love to taste this. I just tell myself, have it tomorrow. Like it is not so urgent that you need it right this second. You just have it tomorrow. When I was on restrictive diets, I couldn't even have it tomorrow. Like I could just never have it. So that's been the difference. Anytime that I have been tempted to lick something or take a bite of something or try something, I just tell myself just, you know, tomorrow, just have it tomorrow. You'll be fine. And I think that's what makes it easy. I think that's so important because people um, that are on restrictive diets, like the HCG diet, which I also had so much fun doing, not, not fun. I did do it, but it wasn't fun. But, you know, I remember one time my husband was sitting beside me on the couch eating tortilla chips and I'm like, can I just lick that chip? (laughs) You know, so I was licking the chip. I didn't eat the chip. I licked the chip. And yeah, that's crazy in hindsight, but I just wanted to taste the chip. I couldn't eat it. I was on a crazy diet. Don't lick the chip, people. But now I can have the chips just later. (laughs) I can so relate. I mean, I think I even chewed up food and spit it out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, the things we do. Probably, probably. (laughs) Bless us. So um, you work in a food science department. Have you shared intermittent fasting with any of your colleagues? Do you talk about it? Do you keep it to yourself? I have shared when people have asked. And we're in a, you know, we're still in a time when a lot of the staff are working remotely. So we actually have some nutritionists that work, like PhDs in nutrition that work in our department. And that's typically who would ask me, but I haven't seen her in almost a year. I have shared it with a couple of people. We we have one faculty member and he always, when he sees me, he just looks so shocked, like, oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight. And I mean, he came in one day and he's like, you used to be like this and now you're like tiny. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is why you're not married. <laughs> like, uh, like, was I really that fat? <laughs> Um, so yes, yes. So some people have noticed and I have shared and, you know, I told him what I did and who knows if he's tried it. And then other people think I'm just absolutely crazy. You know, it's not for everybody. It's, I'm just fortunate that it works for me and it's easy for me. So if people ask, I share, but no, I'm not like going out and shouting it to the rooftops or anything. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. 
Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So what kind of work do you do in the the food science department in the lab? I've worked at this university for over 20 years and... Really what I've done most is oversee a scholarship program. So now I'm in a research lab and it's all new. I've been um, in this lab for a little over three years and we study rice. So we look at quality of rice. I've learned more. I had no idea that so much research was involved in the rice that we eat. But, you know, it's a staple around the world and it supplies a lot of calories around the world. And I don't mean calories as a bad thing. I mean, there are you know many countries that rely on rice to get the calories they need to survive. So it's an important crop. Mm-hmm. It's been very interesting. And I'm fortunate to work part-time because especially right now, teaching a, a child. So it's been great. I absolutely love it. So what, you know, are there any interesting facts about rice that you could share with us that we might not know? I mean, I love rice. We had rice last night. <laughs> What are some interesting little known things about rice y'all are learning? I did not realize all of the importance of keeping the full kernel intact. Um, You know, we eat rice and we just, it's rice, we eat it. But so much research and even the, the cultivars that they develop, their goal is to keep that kernel intact so it doesn't break apart and you don't have a bag of broken kernels when you cook rice. So I guess that's been the most mind blowing is that there's a lot of people who study and change things up within rice to make sure that it's not cracking and uh, splitting into tiny pieces. And then the other funny thing, I started my master's in um, food science in 1998, and I didn't finish. But my project was about the lipid oxidation of rice. And there is a very tiny percent of fat in rice. I mean, it's a low fat because I I can't even, I should know, I hope none of the faculty are listening to me, but it's a very small percentage of fat in rice. So part of me was like, who cares about the lipid oxidation? This is why I didn't make a good master's student and I didn't finish. (laughs) But my takeaway is everybody should eat rice (laughs) if it works for your body. It's not bad. Love it. Absolutely. So would you recommend like the actual brown rice in the most whole form possible versus white rice? Yes. So the brown rice is considered whole grain because it still has the bran on it. So it has a a little more fiber and it has the healthy fats. So yes, if you're concerned about the health benefits, then definitely go for the brown rices and try, even though we don't grow a lot of aromatic rices like the basmati and the jasmine. We don't grow a lot of those in the United States. Those are quite good. So you should try a, a basmati or a jasmine if you uh, next time you're at the grocery store. 
You're right. Jasmine is what I have a giant bag of jasmine rice in my pantry, and that's the one that I scoop out of. And it's so easy to prepare. I used to buy, I'm embarrassed to say, back in the day, I used to get like the boiling bag, minute rice kind of rice, and I'd boil it in the bag. And But it's so easy to make, you know, real rice. I'd make it in my pressure cooker, and it's just boom, there it is. Yes, I made rice last night for with the taco meat. I did white, but I do white rice because, you know, I like white rice. And I did it in the Instapot, and my husband had a rice bowl, so it's super easy. And we have a lot of international. Yes, very, very delicious. We have a lot of international students in our department. And so I have learned how to cook some dishes, some of the Indian dishes and, you know, their rice is a staple. And then we have some students from Africa and rice is a staple there. So it's been great to learn some new dishes and to see what kind of rices they like from, you know, where they're from. I actually made Indian food last night, and that's one that I have been less quick to try. But thank goodness for these meal kit deliveries that I love so much because they're exposing me to foods I wouldn't normally meal plan if I were just up, you know, left up to my own devices. But man, I love Indian food. It was just so good. But with the rice, again, you know, I have it with Mexican food, have it with the Indian food, and the flavors, just amazing. So you're right. And the rice is there. It's a staple with all the different cultures. So is there anything you struggle with when it comes to intermittent fasting? know that it's really a struggle. I think it's just maybe jealousy. The the people that like are energized during the fast, like I <laughs> I don't feel that way. I don't know that I ever have. I feel energized after I eat. It's weird, but it doesn't make the fast any harder. And then the other thing That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, cuz you know, like you do everything in the fasted state and you feel amazing yeah. and I sometimes after I eat, I'm like, I can conquer the world. You know, that's when I am energized. So it's just interesting. So you know what just hit me? You know, that right there explains why the different window times work better for us. Because you have your energy after you eat, you feel better. So of course, an earlier window is going to work better for you. Whereas for me, I have less energy after I eat, so it makes more sense to delay my eating window. So really, we can take a cue from our own bodies and how we feel and design our plan around that, which I've always said, but it's interesting that the energy plays such a role in it. So I love that you said that. That tidbit is important. Well, that's super interesting, and it makes sense because you eat later, and it kind of helps you wind down. And I eat earlier and it helps me get through the day. You know, after we're doing this mid-morning and after this, I have to teach the third grader and then I have to work all day. So I need to be, I need to feel like I'm on top of my game for that. Interesting. Yeah. You do. Well, that is fabulous information to share. So um, just because I feel more energetic during the fast doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. If you don't, you've got a different body. Mm -hmm. I love it. So, you know, just in general, how has intermittent fasting just changed your life? I mean, I feel like it's completely changed my life because it's been the first, I don't even want to call it a diet, first way of life, way of eating that has allowed me not only to lose weight, but to maintain it. And it's the first time that I feel confident that I can sustain this long term. And even if I feel like I'm gaining weight, I have the tools needed 
to stop and reverse that. So I feel like I have all of the knowledge and an easy way to maintain this size. I don't even want to say weight, maintain this size for the duration. So it's been life-changing and I just wish I knew about this when I was 22 and it would have saved me, you know, 20 years of up and down in weight. But I'm glad that I found it now. Absolutely. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? (laughs) Well, I think everybody says, I wish I knew about the clean fast. Definitely. I wish I had done more than five seconds of research and learned about the clean fast, but also find a reason to fast that is completely independent of weight loss. Because like me, I did not lose a single pound for a year and I could have quit. I could have quit after a month. If I were obsessed with the weight, the scale weight, I would have quit. So find a reason other than weight loss to keep going. Look for those small victories, you know, be content with maintaining like I was, or be content with some health benefits. And then if you get to the point where you're frustrated and you do want to lose weight, don't be afraid to try things that seem scary. You know, I told myself in the beginning, I would never do alternate day fasting. Had I stuck to that and not done it, I wouldn't be where I am today. So don't be afraid to tweak it until it's easy. Well, that is such fantastic advice, Robin. And thank you so much for being here today. And I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I can't wait to hear the results of your bone scan. So don't forget to tag me. Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. And thank you for all the information that you have shared through your podcasts and your books. I think Fast, Feast, Repeat is a must read for everyone. So thank you for bringing this to the world. Thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's going to win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's going to be backlash about that. Oh, I'm just so happy. 
so happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year, unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.